so there's that. Um, that's Wednesday afternoons if you guys ever want to go. We just go down and feed them and pray with them and love on them. Um, and then this one, super excited about still, is the men's retreat. That's coming up this weekend. I think there's still spaces available if you want to go. But um, it's Friday, starts Friday night and then goes through Sunday. Um, we're probably going to come back on either Saturday night or early, early Sunday morning so we can be here. But um, it'll be a good time. It's always been an amazing retreat. I think I've been quite a few years now and have never come back the same man. So always a good, good thing to do. Um, and then the women's study is going to start on May 5th. It'll be Thursday. It'll be the first and third Thursday of the month, right, Shan? At 6 p.m. here at the house. And they're going to go through the 12 extraordinary women. The first week, are you going through chapter one or just through the introduction? Uh, introduction and chapter one, hopefully. Oh, wow. Okay. First one will be longer, a little pressure. <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of reading. <laughs> don't, don't and then the men's study, we're going to go through the 12 ordinary men. Um, so these are the 12 apostles that Jesus used. Um, and we're going to do that on Saturday mornings at 9 They'll start on May 7th. So it'll be the first and third Saturday of the month. Um, and that, I think, is a neat book. I think sometimes we think of these men that we read about in the Bible as these great you know, men, that, but really they're just ordinary men like me and you that God called and used, and he does the same with us. So. And then we're going to do youth night on the Thursdays that the women aren't meeting. We'll do youth night here, and we want to go through the Chosen series. Um, but then before we go through it, we want to read, you know, whatever episode we're on, we want to read what does the Bible say about that. Because some of the stuff is from the Bible and some of it is things that they've added in, like taking their creative liberties, which is, I think is all right. But I think it's important for us to identify what does God's word say, what we're about to watch, and then you know what, what they're getting their information from. And it's a very neat series. And it's not just for the youth. I mean, it's more geared towards the youth. Our message is going to be more for the youth. But parents, anybody can come. But it's a neat series to go through. So, what's that? And I, I yeah. was going to say, what's, what is cool about these, it's, it's awesome to have a friend that comes and does it with you. Because then you guys can, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to have somebody else to invite him. But it is also for parents, too, to come. I call it movie night. Yeah, it'll be moving. Out, so. We'll get popcorn too. Yes. We'll get popcorn too. Yes. We'll have a little yeah, a little message before we start the, the episode and it'll be geared more geared more towards the youth. So So uh with that, let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for all the work that you do in each one of our lives. I just ask that you would forgive us for our sins, that you would um give us a fresh heart. Um Open our eyes and our mind and our heart to you today. And that you would, your words would be spoken. And that we would um, trust in you. That you would meet us right where we're at. You know what we're thinking. You know what we're going through. And you know who we are. And you would meet us where we are. That you would speak to us this morning. Lord, I just ask you would watch over this fellowship. That you would watch over each and every person here. And that you would guide them. That you would protect them. Keep them safe and healthy that we would be a light and a witness when we go out into our community. When I ask you would watch over our community, that you would um, let this be known as a community that loves you, that serves you. That you would watch over our leaders in our community and in our state and in our nation, that you would open their eyes and their hearts to you. There would be a revival that would sweep across this nation, that your hand would be a part of and that your name would be made great. I thank you for all that you do for us. I ask you to draw us closer to you each and every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. So, so we're going to go through the book of Romans, which I'm very excited about. I don't have a very interesting slide for this, but, but it could have been more interesting. <laughs> um, so the book of Romans, um, this was written somewhere around 57 A.D., and it was written by a man named Paul. Um, Paul is also known in the Bible as Saul. Um, 
It was written to the Christians in Rome, which was interesting because at this time, none of the apostles had made it to Rome. But somehow, um, the word had gotten spread into Rome. Um, so, I think that's neat that God's hand is in places that we don't, you know, that we don't know about or we don't read about here in the Bible. But somehow, this church in Rome had gotten started and it became a fairly large church. Um, mostly Jews, but still had quite a few Gentiles in there. Um, and, and Paul writes this letter to kind of give these guys, he's going to come see him, he wants to come to Rome, so he writes this letter to give them, this is kind of what we're going to talk about when I get there, and, and these are some things you should be thinking about, and starts a dialogue with them. Um, Paul clearly explains quite a few things. He explains the road to salvation, um, and that salvation is available to all, which was like a breaking news for the Jews. They thought it was only for them. You know, they were God's chosen people. Um, and they are, and they, they are God's chosen people. Um, but God chose them not because they were anything special, just because he chose them, he says. So, and that God's hope was that they would spread his, his news of his son to everyone. Um, but they chose not to, so God uses the Gentiles and the, the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews are God's chosen people, a race, and everyone outside of that is the Gentiles. So when we, we're reading through Romans, you'll hear about the Jews and the Gentiles, and that's who it is. You have the Jews, the people who are born of that bloodline, and then you have everyone else. And, and that's who we are. We're the everyone else, the Gentiles. So um, Paul explains how we once were slaves to our sin, but now we have freedom in Christ. Um, it's by God's grace that we are saved through Jesus' finished work on the cross. Um, Jesus said on the cross that it was finished, that it was done. You know, last week we talked about the, the greatest news of all of creation. That was the news of Christ being raised from the dead. And he gives that twice to the women, the women first. And that's how much he values women, um, that they're not second-class citizens or or second to men, the greatest news of all of creation goes to the women first, which is pretty cool. Um, but the, the greatest gift of the world was the gift of God's Son, Jesus. You know, and we celebrate that at Christmas time. Um, but the greatest work of all the world was the work that Jesus did on the cross when he defeated sin. Um, and that the greatest news, the resurrection, is the evidence of that that Jesus defeated sin on the cross, and we know that because he was raised from the dead. Sin couldn't hold him. He lived a sinless life. Um, so, and Paul makes this all very clear. And this is a very, uh, just amazing book. You know, it sets a lot of foundation um, for what our Christian faith is. And, you know, I'm very excited to go through this book. I think it's going to be a great book. Um, but before we get started, in Romans, I want to take a look at Paul, the author of the book. Um, Paul was a Pharisee. The Pharisee was one of the religious leaders we read about. Um, he stuttered under Gamil, and um, we read about Gamil in Acts 5, um, verse 33, which is probably where we'll, get, we'll go to first. Um, at this point, where we pick up the story here in Acts 5, actually we're going to start in 29, not 33. Um, at this point, the, the apostles are meeting regularly. Jesus' disciples are meeting regularly in the temple area. Um, at this point in history, Jesus died. He's risen from the dead. Um, his church has started. Jesus has started his church. Um, and, and these men are, are going into the temple. And when they're going into the temple, they're preaching to the Jews. They're preaching to their, their fellow Jewish brethren that... Jesus is the Messiah that they've been looking for. And they're doing this regularly, um, and it is somewhat confrontational. And we'll read about that. Um, but people had high regard for them, you know. And many people were coming to know Jesus through the work that they were doing at this time. Um, the apostles were performing many, many miracles, miraculous signs, healing people. Um, sick people were being laid in the street at this time just so that Peter could walk by him and his shadow would pass over them and and i mean those that's the the kind of reputation that these guys had people wanted to be around them wanted to know them um and not because of them not because they're anything special because of the work that jesus was doing in their lives and people could see that um 
But just like anything, when God's doing something, the enemy wants to come against it and destroy it. And we're going to read about some of that here too today. Um, but the church was on the move. Um, and the religious leaders were filled with jealousy. We'll read about that. And we've read about that before, you know, in the past couple of weeks. That's why they killed Jesus. That's why they wanted to kill Lazarus, because they were jealous. Because many people were coming to know Jesus and, and believing in him. And, and they didn't like that, because that took the attention off themselves. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus not fitting their theology. And theology is the study of God. So they're studying the Old Testament scripture and, well, Jesus doesn't fit what we want God to be, so we're going to kill him. You know, so, and they're still filled with hate and jealousy. And that's their answer to everything. They want to kill everyone, everyone that comes against them, everyone that doesn't fit their theology. Um, so at this point, what we're going to pick up here, we're going to read about Gamil, this, this man that Paul studied under. We're going to get to see some of his wisdom. Um, but at this point, so the apostles are teaching in the temple. They're arrested. Um, they're in jail. And this is kind of the Jewish jail. And an angel comes in the middle of the night and lets them out and gives them this message. Go back to the temple and, and teach the people. So they do. Um, and it's just amazing. You know, they have no fear and and i don't think that's of their own accord i think that's the work that jesus has done in their lives um so at daybreak the next morning they they get arrested they're in jail that night the angel comes lets them out says go and teach the people um the next morning they entered into the temple as soon as the sun came up which was amazing so um meanwhile that morning the religious leaders convene a meeting you know with a full assembly all of the elders of israel come to this meeting and they send the guards, go get the apostles. So when they go to get them, the apostles are gone. And uh, they're kind of perplexed by it. And they're you know, wondering what's going on. And then someone comes and gives them the news. Hey, these guys are teaching in the temple again. You know, you arrest them. And the guards are confused. You know, all the guards were, were posted. Nobody was gone. All the doors are locked. But these men aren't there. And, uh, and they still, it, it never dawns on them. <laughs> Except for Gamil. Gamil's going to kind of try and open their eyes. And, and so, uh, so at this point, they, they realize they're teaching. They send the guards out, arrest them again, bring them into them, and they order them, hey, didn't we tell you to never teach in this man's name again? And we're going to pick it up here in verse 29. So... The apostles are there, and they're telling, we've told you never to teach his name again. They've arrested him, and this is, Jeter's, this is Peter's response to that. So, but Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior, he did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamil, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Then he said to his colleagues, Men of Israel, take care what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was a fellow, Thaddeus, who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed, and all of his followers went their various ways. And the whole movement came to nothing. After him, after him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. So my advice is leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning, let, let them go. If they are planning to do these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God... You will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The others accepted his advice. 
They called in the apostles, had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Um, so I, I think that's amazing. I think you get to see this man that Paul studied under. You get to see a lot of his wisdom. And I think you get to see God using him right there. You know, all these other men want to kill the apostles. Let's kill them and be done with this. And Gamil gives them, well, why don't you just let it go? Because you might find yourself fighting against God himself, you know, which is very wise. And so that's the man that Paul studied under. And you get to see a glimpse of his wisdom. And you also get to see what was going on at the time. You know, their the church being persecuted. Um, we talked about a few weeks ago that we're supposed to obey government authorities. We read that in the Bible, except when it conflicts with God's word. And that's what happens here in verse 29. You know? So they have their, their governing authorities over them, and they've been ordered not to speak the name of Jesus. And Peter makes it clear. Well, we're to obey God rather than man. And that's where we get that understanding. We're to obey the human authorities here until they conflict with what God says. So the Bible here calls Gamil an expert of religious law, well-respected by all the people. Um, we get to see a glimpse of that wisdom that he had that, that God had given him. Um, and it, at this moment, God uses him to protect the apostles. He was there for a purpose. Um, he states to the others, be careful because they should, might find themselves fighting against God. It's very... Uh, very foreshadowing of, of what's about to happen. And they still don't realize that they still are holding on to their theology, who they believe God is. Um, so, and I do think it's pretty amazing that after they, after they're flogged, they go back into the temple and preach every day again. Jesus is the Messiah. You know, and it, it doesn't deter them. It doesn't scare them. They're committed to, to what the work that Jesus has done in their life. Um, so after studying under Gamil and learning about Gamil, um, the next place we read about Paul, at this point he's, he's called Saul, and this was at the stoning of Stephen. Um, and that takes place in, in Acts chapter 7. We'll start in verse 51. So at this point, the apostles um, are confronted with an issue amongst the believers that the, some of the widows aren't being given food like some of the other widows. And, and there's uh, disagreements there. And the apostles decide that, that they, they should be focused on teaching people about Jesus and, and spreading the good news. And they needed some other godly men to, to come alongside them. And they wanted men that were filled with the Spirit and, and filled with wisdom that could help with this food distribution. Um, and Stephen is one of the men selected. And the Bible speaks very highly of Stephen, um, that he was well-respected by the people. He was full of the Spirit and of wisdom. So him, along with six others, are selected to oversee this program. Um, Stephen is also noted as being a man full of God's grace and power, performing many amazing miracles um, and signs among the people. Um, but one day when Stephen was out, they, there begins a debate with him and some other men, um, and they can see that they're no match for Stephen's wisdom. You know, everything Stephen's saying about Jesus and, is all true, and they can't refute it, they can't deny it, they can't um, argue it. So what they, they decide to do, they decide to get some other men to lie about Stephen. Um, and, and so they bring this false testimony against Stephen that Stephen's doing these things that he's not. Um, and... So Stephen's brought before the high council and he, uh, he gives this amazing testimony that Jesus is the Messiah. He takes them through, through the scriptures um, from Abraham to, to Moses through the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus being the Messiah. Um, and we're going to pick, we'll pick up here in verse um, 51. So, so Jesus, Stephen's given them all the accounts, all the information they need taking them through the scriptures, through their books, their religious books that they hold so dearly to, and has shown them this is who Jesus is. Everything points to Jesus. 
and uh, we'll pick up here at the end of what, what Stephen's saying. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf, deaf to the truth. You must, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit. That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the one who they predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He told them, Look, I see heavens opened up, and the Son of Man is standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid him at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers, except and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to, no, to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Um, so Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, is able to look into heaven and see Jesus standing at the right hand. And that's a study for another time that I'd like to get into. Um, but I think notably before this too, before Stephen gives his account through the Old Testament, everyone's face is on him, the Bible says, because his face was bright as, as an angel. So these men can see something's going on, but they still refuse to, to open their eyes or open their hearts to the fact that what this man's saying could be true. But God's given them plenty of signs, plenty of opportunity to, to do that, for them to open their eyes. And Paul, we read, is in full agreement with, with killing Stephen and, and goes on after this to persecute the church severely. Um, is, um, so we read that that at the stoning of Stephen and what the stoning is, is they throw rocks at him until he was dead. That's what they do. Um, that was how they killed him. That's how they took care of their problems. Um, and Paul's there and Paul's in full agreement with it. And Paul gets a zeal from this and goes on after this to, to severely persecute God's church and God's people. Um, and this is what the enemy does. God's doing something and the enemy wants to come along and kill, steal and destroy. It wants to disrupt whatever God's doing. Um, and that's what happens with Stephen. God was using Stephen, and, and, and God did use Stephen. You know, he used Stephen to, um, for us to read about. You'd have to think, man, to be being stoned at that time and say, for Stephen to say, God, please forgive them. You know, what kind of compassion did Stephen have? You know, no human compassion. That's the work that God was doing in Stephen's life. That's the work that Jesus does in, in people's lives. Um, and it's amazing to see. And it's amazing to read about. Um, but through the killing of Stephen and the persecuting of the church, the gospel spreads like crazy all across, all across the region. So even when the enemy thinks that, oh, we're going to destroy this or snuff this out, no, that's not how it worked. God had a plan. And he, and he uses these things and, and these actions that take place to, to further his kingdom. Um, so um, we find Saul continuing to persecute Christians. We're going to fast forward to Acts chapter 9. So Saul is, is persecuting the church everywhere he can. And, and this is the moment that he, he comes to know Jesus. Um, so meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. 
So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. He found there he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street and to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man named Tarsus. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And with, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight and got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food, regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. So the Jews have the same MO. They don't like the message. They don't, something doesn't fit their theology. They want to kill them. And Saul goes on his life before, before Jesus, fighting against him. We've talked about this before. The Bible makes it clear. You're for God or you're against God. You're either walking with him or you're walking against him. There's no neutral ground. There's no, I'm a good person. Saul is walking against God. And on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus himself, and he turns, he repents, and he lives a different life to walk with God. Um, and during that time when Saul was blind, you know, so Saul's a Pharisee, and, and we can read in Corinthians when he gives kind of his um, pedigree, you could say, a very devout Pharisee. And you get to see in Saul's life, he's very devout to what he did. So I can only imagine during that time where he's blind, he's thinking through the scriptures himself, you know. Can this be true? Is this really right? And, and, he, and I don't know that, and we won't see that until, until we get to heaven. But you know, i got to think that Saul was thinking through his mind and what he's learned. and is this, Do I have this all wrong? Have I lived my life up until this point wrong? And I think he finds that he did. And he, he comes to know Jesus. And, and, and we're going to get to read about his testimony. The next place we're going to go is, is to Acts 
chapter 22. What his testimony is, it's his story. It's how he came to know Jesus. I once lived this way. I came to know Jesus, asked him to end my life, and now I live a different way. Um, and that's what, it's a very powerful statement to make. And we don't have to be experts in the Bible to be able to have a testimony. We may not know all of the Bible, but we can tell people the work that Jesus has done in our lives. And that is very powerful. Um, and we're going to get to read about Paul's testimony, like I say, here in Acts chapter 22, or Acts chapter 22, verse, starting in verse 1. Um, behind on that actually before we go to Acts 22 verse 1 let's stop at Acts 13 sorry 13 verse 9 and let's talk briefly about Saul's name change so Acts 13 verse 9 Saul also known as Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked to the he looked the sorcerer in the eye And right here, after verse 9, Paul is referred to as Paul. Before verse 9 in Acts, he's referred to as Saul. Even after his road is on the road to Demaeus. A lot of people have talked and said that Paul, Jesus changed Paul's name from Saul to Paul. That's not what I read. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible, actually, the one that changed his name, it sounds like, is Luke. Luke's the one, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And right here, after this, he calls Saul Paul. So I do think there's significance in we are a new creation, the Bible says. And, and in heaven, we do get new names, but it's just not what the Bible says here. The Bible does not say that Jesus changed Paul's name from Saul to Paul. Um, and when we get to heaven, though, we do get a new name. We are something new. Um, God does make us a new creation. But what Saul and Paul is, is Saul is the, the Hebrew word and Paul is the Greek word. And at this point in Acts, and I think why it gets changed here, is Paul has a ministry to go speak to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. And that would be his name. And I think it would be similar to, to me. My name in, in, here in America is Matt. If I were to go to Mexico and start working down there, people would call me Mateo. And that's the difference there. So, um, so it, but like I said, we are a new creation. We are new. We do have new names in heaven. Um, and God doesn't just leave us. And we see God change other people's names. We see him change Abram to Abraham. Um, we see him change Peter's name um, from Simon to Peter. So we do see that happen. We just don't see it happen here. So I just want to point that out. Um, so now, uh, yeah, before we get to Acts 22, <laughs> in 2 Corinthians 5.17, um, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has become. Um, And Paul's the one that writes this. Paul's the one that writes 2 Corinthians. So, and Paul could probably speak to that better than anybody else. You know, he once lived this life, and now in Christ he has a new life. And Paul was a very um, zealous person. I'd say probably pretty hard-headed and stubborn, and God used that. God used that for his good, for his gain. God didn't change Paul's character. Paul, God just refined, God's, refined Paul's character to fit God's plan. So, so now we can jump over to Acts. And we get to read, this is kind of Paul's testimony. And like I said, our testimonies are, are very important. It's how did we come to know Jesus? And, and Jesus and God can use that in other people's lives. So Acts 22. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Sicily. And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamil. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. 
I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. The high priest and the whole council of the elders testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at and that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, The God of your ancestors has chosen you to know this will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Your sins have been washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I urged, they can't they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you, and I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow, he isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. I'm behind on that one, too. So, so um, like I said, while we might be, not be experts in the Bible, we are experts in what the work that Jesus has done in our lives and in our testimony. And God can use that. And many times he does use that. He uses the work that he's done in our lives when we share that with others to make that person, make Jesus more relatable to that person. Um, and that's an important thing. So um, you do get to see here, you know, Paul, again, is very zealous and, and wants to do, wants is fully committed all into what Jesus is doing and wants to be a part of that and wants to share the good news. Um, and... And you can see here how he once lived. I once lived a life fighting against Jesus, and now I live a different life. You know, and even when it's not convenient for him, even when the people are upset with him, and at this point, there the people are upset with him <laughs> because he's he's speaking the truth, speaking the the name of Jesus, and, and it's against their their religion. Um, so, with all that, let's get into the Book of Romans. So Romans 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. Um, like I said, the Bible makes it very clear we're for God or against God. And Paul once was against God, once was a slave to his sin, and now is a slave to Christ. And we can choose to serve sin or we can choose to serve Jesus. Um, and that's what we get to do here. Um, 
and Paul being an apostle. Um, there's talk about that. People today say, I'm an apostle. That's not true. Um, and, and when Judas died, you know, Judas who betrayed Jesus, when he died, there's talk of, well, who was another apostle? And one of the criteria to be an apostle was you had to have known Jesus. And while Paul wasn't walking with Jesus while he was on earth, Paul knew Jesus, met Jesus um, when he was on the road to Demaeus. So his claim to be an apostle is an accurate one here um, and an accurate one going forward. There's other places that he makes this claim that he was an apostle. He met Jesus and is, is called specifically by God. God makes that clear that Paul was called to deliver a message to the, to the Greeks, um, also to the Jews, and, and to everyone else, to the rest of the world, the Gentiles, and that's to us. And so that's what Paul's still doing today. He's still delivering that message to us. Um, and that's where we'll end today. We'll end there in Romans, knowing who Paul was, knowing the change in Paul's life, knowing that that same change in Paul's life is available to us, that how we lived doesn't have to be who we are. We can always turn from our sins, repent, and live for God. Um, so with that, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I thank you for the work that you did. I thank you for that completed work on the cross. I'm thankful for your resurrection from the dead, for that life-changing news that we can have a new life in you. I'm thankful for all that you do in each one of our lives. I just ask that you would continue to work in our lives, continue to strengthen us, continue to draw us closer to you. Help us to be a light and a witness to you this week in our lives um, in our homes, in our jobs, in the people we interact with, that we would um, point them to you, that we would reflect your light to them, that we would be that light and witness to you. Not that we'd be perfect, but when we make mistakes, we'd be able to ask for forgiveness, be able to repent, be able to show those people how humbly we serve you. And thank you for all that you do for us. Draw us close to you this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, so, does anybody have any questions? You do? Okay. God set that up. He set up the apostles. These were his apostles, his 12 chosen ones, except for Judas, who right. betrayed him. Right. And then later they go on to, to cast lots, and there's another apostle they've chosen, and there's some debate whether that was the 12th apostle or whether Paul is. And what, which one is, I'm not sure, the 12th apostle. But Paul makes it clear that he is an apostle, and his life, his criteria fits that, that he, he is an apostle. Now is he the twelfth apostle, and in the end times will he be up there as one of the twelve? That I don't know. Is that what you're asking, kind of? And if you're asking who picked him, God picked him. Yes. Jesus picked him. Picked yeah, Jesus picked him. Okay. When Jesus was doing his ministry. Yes. And Judas was one of them. Yep. Until he betrayed him and then he was killed. Yeah. Then he killed himself. Or he killed himself. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So Jesus even even gave Judas a chance and, and chose him knowing that he would betray him. So, which is kind of an interesting concept to think about, you know. But he still doesn't dismiss him. He still gives him that opportunity to be in close fellowship with him, you know. But I think it shows us too that you can walk in close fellowship with Jesus and still not truly know him. Okay. So the first 12 were chosen when Jesus was alive. Yeah. And then Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and so that's so he had that interaction with Jesus. 
Yeah, so he met Jesus physically. So that was one of the criteria to be an apostle. You had to physically know Jesus. And that's, so that's how, that's how Paul fits to that criteria. He physically met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Damascus. They all knew him, they all spent time with him, and they did ministry with him. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But just people nowadays all have an apostle. No, the apostles are are no more. The apostles were people that knew Jesus, physically knew him. So that was one of the, that's a big criteria. Now, the 12 apostles, we read about Romans, the, the 12, is Paul one of those 12? Or is it the other one that they cast lots for? That I don't know. What's the difference between the apostle and disciple? That's what it is. Yeah, that's another question. Yep. So a disciple is someone who chooses to, to walk with Jesus. And there's a difference between being a Christian and a disciple. And Jesus says, you know, count the cost. If you really want to be my disciple and truly want to follow after me, there's a cost for this. But he doesn't say that for all believers. You can be a believer and not a disciple. But a disciple is just someone who's devout to Jesus. And an apostle is someone who physically knew Jesus and was called to that position. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The disciple teacher? It can be. Not necessarily always. Okay. And there's different gifts. You know, different gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you say just go make disciples of nation, where is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go spread the good news. Okay. Make the, well, like we were in, in Castle Rock. Follower, a disciple, a follower? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not all Christians are disciples, but all disciples are Christians, if that makes sense. Okay. Like in Castle Rock, one of the things that they would say is when disciples send. Yeah. Win someone to Jesus, yeah. disciple them, and then send them out to spread the good news to others. And that's what we're called to do. But not all Christians do that. You know, there are Christians who, and we read about this in Corinthians, the carnal Christians who, who live a life that is not okay, but they're still called brothers, are still Christians. So you can be a Christian and still live not a very good life. Um, and it's kind of like this, trying to draw this very fine line, like what do I have to do to become a Christian? You know, what's the minimum, bare minimum? And it's just a totally wrong way of thinking about it. Why are you thinking about the bare minimum? Why not take that, that big step across and have no question, no doubt of your salvation of who you are in Christ? You know, when you want to do the bare minimum, that's a very fine line. And I don't know that I could define what that is. You know? Yeah. And it's by faith and how you live, but you know. And we read in Romans ten nine, we've read a few times. You know, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. Jesus is God. God raised him from the dead. And you're saved, and that's it. There's no other thing. Um, now, can you be saved and struggle? Am I really saved? And did I do the bare minimum? Yeah, you can. But why would you want to? Why? Why not? Just commit your life to Jesus. Become that disciple, move past just becoming a believer, move on to being that disciple, devote yourself to Jesus and have no question whether or not you're saved, you know, because God didn't leave it up for question. He made it very clear. If you do these things, you will be saved. And if you want to know, am I saved? Well, do you have the story that Paul had? I once lived this way and now I live a totally different life, you know, and is that, can you say that? And if you can say that, then you are saved. You believe in your heart that Jesus is God you're saved. I once lived this way and now I live this way. And there's no question. Well, I think I'm saved. Or, you know, it's not works. It's not Jesus plus anything. Jesus plus baptism or Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus. is salvation. That's it. If you believe in him, you are saved. So it's okay to screw up. Is that right? That's absolutely okay. <laughs> that's how it's okay to screw up. We're going to screw up. But that's the thing, too. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like, I can remember many times, like, being on a job site and losing my temper. Well, now i got to go apologize to this person. And it wasn't that I had to live a perfect life, but if I don't go and apologize, I definitely lose my witness. You know, can I really say I'm a Christian and act that way? No, I can't. So I need to ask for forgiveness. You know, even if that other person was wrong, I still shouldn't have got mad. And, and I can still be that light in the witness, even when I screw up. 
And we got taught too, you know, that was the one thing, if you want to gauge yourself on being a mature believer, is how long do you argue with God that something you did was sinful? You know, is it right away, God, I screwed up, please forgive me. Or is it, well, that's not really that bad. Other people are doing it and you're trying to rationalize and reason with God for a week and then you finally ask for forgiveness. Well, if you're doing that for a week, you know, your matureness as a believer is probably not, you're probably not very mature, if that makes sense. So, because we all, all screw up. And the other thing you can say is that you hear it a lot. I once lived this sinful life, and now I live a different life, and I'm not sinless, but I sin a whole lot less. You know, I'm not perfect, and none of us will be. Not this side of heaven. We'll still make mistakes, but we'll make a lot less mistakes and a lot less severe sins. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a line in that, in that series, The Chosen, where Mary says, you know, she's confronted by um, a Nicodemus, and he said, you know, what happened? And, and this isn't scripture necessarily, but it was, it's a great line because she goes, I was one way, and then I was totally different. But what happened in between was him. And that was a great, it's a great line. Oh, yeah. 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 It's kind of fun. So part of the chosen. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and it's a good series. Oh, yeah. So. That's what Shay was just Maybe even play a game or something. Play a game. Yeah. Probably we'll find, find, find a game. Yeah. But that's what that is. It's just, it's a, because I think what happens, I think for you guys, and even as um, young adults, we, we sometimes, we sometimes lose our kids sometimes, because they, all of the, we're, we're kind of living in the world, right? And sometimes, it's, a, it's just a great chance for other young believers like you to come in together and hang out together. Think it's a good idea? <laughs> the chosen, that's what, that's what Jim was just saying. It's a series. It's actually. Oh, you guys started it. See, I, we, I only seen the first one. Yeah, see? So you're. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty freaky. It is kind of freaky. Yeah. We have to close your eyes here. <laughs> <laughs> all right is that all for questions